Value looking at generosity. We're going to conclude that this afternoon. But um, there is a principle that you can practice that we haven't covered, but within the scope of generosity, and it's called frugality. And you can do it for a week, two weeks, whatever you want. So every single year, Lori and I uh, practice frugality for an entire month. And what that looks like is uh, we don't, there's no Tim Hortons, there's no Starbucks, there's no mall, there's no online shopping. It's only the necessities that month. Uh, Lori and I love to do it. The kids hate it, uh, but we love to do it. And at the end of the month, we see how much uh, money that we have saved in a given month. And it doesn't just go into savings. What we do is we take all of that, and then the next season is an offering. We just secretly begin to bless people wherever we're at. We live with an open heart. So to fund it, we have a month called Frugality. And so this is October where we do that. And so we have been doing that together. And uh, this week, I just prayed, Lord, because it's Frugality Month. You know, I said, Lord, yeah, I could I'd really like just like a little soy caramel macchiato. <laughs> so, Lord, I'm just going to lift my heart. I, 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 but it's frugality month, so I can't go buy one. So, Lord, you know my heart. <laughs> and then I waited. And God didn't speak to any of you, eh? <laughs> okay. No, so I waited. And then on Tuesday, um, we have a little mailbox in the front, so I checked my mailbox, and in it was a card of somebody uh, I met with an organization called Erdo, great organization, and so I just met with their, one of the rep guys in the area, and he sent a card saying, hey, thanks, thanks for meeting with me. Inside of it was a Starbucks gift card. <laughs> so I grabbed it, and as soon as I touched it, I felt the Lord say, that's not for you. <laughs> so before I, I won't say whom, but before I got to my, from my office, from the, my mailbox to my office, I gave the card away to somebody and I just blessed them with it because I knew if I got to my office, I would have said, get behind me, Satan. You have not the things of the... <laughs> I would have just used it. How many know that there's an opportunity and they can quickly evaporate? Yeah. So anyways, I gave it away. I just gave it away. No problem. And then I cried. <laughs> I didn't because it's just, it's just a drink. It's not a big deal. Two days later, though, two days later, I was sitting in, in, in my office or where we were, and Joey and Hannah, who were not practicing frugality this month because God didn't tell them to, they said, hey, we're going to Starbucks. Do you want a drink? And everything in me said, no, I don't at all. I don't want one, not even a little bit. But I said, yeah, I'd love a little soy caramel macchiato. So they came back and they gave it to me. And as soon as I touched it, I didn't pray at all. I just drank it right there. I didn't even ask the Lord. I said, God, you're good and your mercy endures forever. Didn't even give them an opportunity. Don't even care. Don't even feel guilty. Feel great. All right. And so, Jen, I mean, that's such a trite example. But sometimes generosity, how many know that for the whole story to be completed, it takes people being willing to be generous to meet a need? Now, I should preface that. It takes generous people to, in this instance, meet a very frivolous want, not a need whatsoever. Right? But generosity, God can get it to you any which way. But 90, 99% of the time, he will get it to you through somebody else because he doesn't want to rob them of being blessed as well. And so today we want to finish our generosity series. It's more of a devotional this morning. 
Because in week one, we looked at the heart, that God is generous. And so you and I, if we want to become like Jesus, need to grow in our practice of generosity. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, so heaven, all of those things, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. None of this is in a materialistic sense, but in a sense of abundance, that we don't only have our needs met, but a little bit beyond that to be a blessing. Week two, we spoke about the principle of the first fruits. Here's what it says in Exodus 23, verse 19. The best of the, fruits, the first fruits of the ground you shall bring. Everyone say, you shall bring. Notice it doesn't say you shall give, okay, because it's not yours. It still belongs to God. You can only bring it. It's not yours. You're a steward, not an owner. You shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. So if you're tracking with the book Beyond Blessed that we have for sale or the YouTube videos, uh, Robert Morris, Pastor Robert Morris does a good job unpacking that, an excellent job actually. And then last week we talked about the hands, so not just the head and not just the heart, but at some point it's got to show up into our hands because here's what's true of generosity. All of us have this in common. Generosity is not a thought or a feeling. It doesn't live there. Generosity can be measured. So you may say, because we have a tremendous ability of self-deception, and so you may say, I think I'm a generous person, but your lifestyle would scream at you, no, you're not at all, right? We can think, you, know, you can look back and go like, well, eight years ago, when I took someone out to Tim Hortons, I was so generous, I said, don't even get a small, get a medium. That's not generosity. I mean, it is, I guess, in one instance, but come on. No, generosity can be measured. It's not just out there. It's not just, I feel I'm generous. It can actually be measured. You can look, God, how generous am I? So when we talk about generosity, here's what we're saying. We give generously with joy. Our generosity is a reflection of our love, never a percentage or a duty, but delight. And there's been this phrase that a lot of you have asked questions about over the last month. What do you mean by we start where others stop? What is that about? Well, that's what we want to talk about today for a few moments, that we start where others stop. So generosity changes lives. Sometimes it's like a little moment like, oh, God, thank you. That was awesome. Or in an extravagant way, you get a car, you get a car, you get a car. Thanks, Oprah. Right? There's lots of ways generosity changes. That was a joke. Is that okay? Generosity changes lives. Ours and those we are a blessing. So today we want to talk about a few statistics, separate some fact from some fiction, it's a myth from reality, and we want to talk about your fellow Canadians today, just your fellow Canadians and see how, how, how generous are Canadians, how generous are we as Canadians. So this is compiled from Statistics Canada, Angus Reid, uh, Movement Day, which is an organization by a guy named Tim Day, and then Cardis. okay? So how much do you think Canadians give on average? Well, on the screen, you're going to see it come up, and you can see by demographics, you can try to find yourself in there. So if you're 15 to 24, you give on average $143 a year. Okay, so find your age. You can look and find your age where it's at. I'm in that 45 to 54 age. I'm 46. So the average person my age gives $477 a year. This is the average Canadian. And again, you can find your age, your demographic, and you can see that's what the average Canadian gives to all charities, not just churches, all charities. That's what they give on um, an annual basis on average. Did you know, and this is fascinating, so don't tell me generosity. If you come to me and say these words, I will listen to you and I may not say anything, but I will be praying for you. I will be generous when? No. No, it's not how it works. Did you know that in Canada, based on percentage of income, Canadians were more generous during the Great Depression than they are today? 
Isn't that interesting? Not in terms of dollars, because income has changed, but in terms of raw percentage of what one makes, Canadians during the Great Depression were more generous than they are today. And so that's what Canadians give, but what about why? Well, why do Canadians give? So what compels a Canadian to give? What what does it? Well, 89% of Canadians, they give because they feel compassion to those in need. 89%. Now, that's beautiful because we never ever want you to be in a place where you have no compassion whatsoever, but it's both beautiful and there is... um, there is some tentative caution in that thing, in that, in that understanding of that statistic. Here's why. Because if the only reason you give is because you feel compelled or you feel compassionate, it's beautiful that you do. However, you are ripe to be manipulated sometimes as well. So in other words, compassion can't be the only ethic. At some point, there has to be a principle of giving that is deeper than simply compassion. So 89% because they feel compassion to those in need. 85% because there's a cause that they believe personally in. 79% to make a contribution to their community, and that's great. 61% are personally affected by an organization's cause. So it could be diabetes or multiple sclerosis or cancer that was out there, but then it touches a family, and then that causes their heart to ignite and they give because of that. A 27%, look at the drop there, to fulfill a religious obligation or belief. So that's not a lot of Canadians. And 23% uh, because they will receive an income tax credit. Turn the person beside you and say, it's not that much of a credit. It really isn't. So most people don't give for an income tax receipt. That's not why most people are giving. And so how many, how many charities... So again, if you're 15 to 24, it's $143. If you're my age, it's $477. But the average Canadian sports about 3.8 or four charities, three to four charities a year. So divide the 143 by four. That's what the average Canadian... Turn the person beside you and say, I didn't think there was going to be math this morning. I'm just getting warmed up for our business meeting tonight, so thank you for that. Um, how, how much did Canadians give to charities last year? $10.6 billion. All right. Uh, between, the, between 2010 and 2017, here's what I want you to know. In Canada, charitable giving is at an all-time low. Do you know it's at an all-time high? Household debt. So charitable giving is going this way. And household debt is going this way. There's always a correlation between giving and generosity and what is occurring in terms of debt. How many Canadians, how many Canadians give to a charity? Well, 21%. So two out of 10 Canadians give to a charity. Eight out of 10 give zero, nothing. They don't give at all. All Of those who give, here's the percentage. 0.56% of their income is what they give. So you can imagine people who, if you're new to church and you're walking in and we're talking about 10%, How many of you know that we're just not even talking the same language as the culture we're in? Those of you who have parents and you dedicated a child, if you were not intentional to teach your kids about generosity, the culture will teach them a completely different message than the Scriptures. The culture will teach them to look out for number one. The kingdom says, put God first, seek Him first, put Him as number one. And again, the average Canadian, there's none of you in here, but they were in the first and second service. They needed this message. You're good. You don't. But the average Canadian spends, for every dollar they make, they spend $1.79. And so this is important. Why? Because here's what Jesus said. 
No one can serve two masters. You'll either hate the one or you'll love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and you'll despise the other. You can't serve God and mammon or money. You can't serve both. You're going to serve one or the other. So the question, based on all those statistics that I gave you that kind of rolled in the back of your head, made your eyes roll in the back of your head, but you can see that we as followers of Jesus, if we want to make a Jesus-sized difference in the world in which we live, the practice and value of generosity will align your life to live not only according to the values of Scripture, but you will align your life to live in a countercultural way that will cause you to stand out as significantly different, not better than the world around. So in our definition of generosity, here's why we say we start where other people stop. For us, 0.56 may be a starting point, but it's not the ending point. God, we want you to grow us until we can actually be fully generous with all that you've called us to live. All right, why does this matter? Well, Proverbs 22, 7 says, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is a slave to a lender. Visa is your friend until Visa wants all their money back plus interest. Then they're not your friend. It changes, okay? Last thing before we talk about three, this three-step process and we're done this morning. Um, Catholic, Protestant, all of them. Take a wild guess. How many churches do you think there are in Ottawa? Someone want to throw out a number? How many? How many? 50, okay. How many churches in Ottawa? 140? 582 is the answer. 582 churches are in Ottawa. Show the person beside you and go, huh. And we ended up here? 582 churches, 582 churches. The average church attendance in Ottawa is under 50 people, okay? 500 and so just look around. Take a moment, look around. Okay, you're sitting in the center section of Life Center. Who is sitting in here is three times the average size of the entire church of most individuals in Ottawa that attend, just in this service, okay? It's interesting. Um, Annually, in all of these churches... $102 $102 million are given. $102 million are given annually. But here's what's remarkable, and here's what I want you to point, here's what I want you to see. God is still in the business of multiplying loaves and fishes. He really is. There's a wonderful thing called the Halo Project. And what it begins to show, in particular, those who sit in governing places, is the difference that churches make in your city. Did you know? that most people today in Canada, if you identify their number one need, it is not money, it is they feel alone. You and I are wired for community, so we are connected better than we ever have been, but connection does not equal community at all. Connection actually further can further make one feel isolated. There is a dull thing that can happen to your heart as you scroll through Instagram or Facebook or whatever it is, is your life can be okay, but then when you begin to see what other people are living or what other marriages are or what other singles are doing, what other families are doing, it can cause you to look at what you have, what you're looking at in a different way. So for no other reason other than the constant comparison to others, you're connected, but that connection can be unhealthy. There's something important about not just being connected, about being seen. And it can start with a connection. And let me give you one specific example of somebody who's generous. I don't, I don't know if they know Jesus. I don't know at all. I've never spoken to them. But every single morning when Lori and I drop off the kids at school, the teenagers at high school, there's one crossing guard all year round. He does something extraordinary. 
He, of course, he does his crossing guard duty. So if he's on duty, it doesn't happen. But if he's standing on the side, every single car that goes by, he points at the driver and he waves. And I tell you what, at first I was like, but now I wait for him. And as soon as he points, I, and I wave. And you know what I can't not do? Smile. Even though my kids may have got on my every last nerve before I dropped them off, it's only a five-minute job, but they're gifted. They can do it really quick. Right? Or me as a dad, I got on their last nerves. But it's, it's beautiful, right? At work, one of the ways that you and I can be generous is to make sure people can see that they are seen and known. I see you. Nothing more than that. Just, I see you. It's amazing what begins to happen when you see somebody. I told you an opening story about Lori and I practicing this thing of frugality. Okay, here's what happens that's different in our lives. It's amazing how many, how many things you miss when you're not looking for them versus what you seize when you are looking. So if you take four or five $20 bills, let's say, and you put them in your wallet, and you say, God, this week I want to be a blessing to somebody, right? It is amazing how in tune you will be versus having, now for you, $20 may be too much. Maybe it's just loonies or toonies. That's fine. What I, but it's different. If you say, I want to be a blessing, and you have X amount that you're going to just secretly give away that week, it is amazing the difference with which you go through your day versus just all about you, AirPods in, earphones in, zoned out to the world. Now, be careful, be careful. Pastor Rhonda and I had it happen to us. Be careful if you're in Tim Hortons or Starbucks and you say, let's pay for the car behind me. Right? Be careful. I, I felt the Lord put that on my heart last year. Pastor Rhonda has a story. You could talk to her about it. But for me, my story is, I said, I'll pay for the car behind me. Little did I know that they were doing a work pickup. <laughs> so the gentleman, I thought it was going to be $5. said, it's $51. So what they buy? What, what, what did they buy? A pair of shoes? Is there like a, I'm not going to buy your tumbler, or you're like, I'm not going to buy your, no, 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 no. I'm just like, but then I just felt like I couldn't tell the guy, at the, I said, I'll pay for it, and then he gave me the amount. I couldn't go like, well, not that much. Like, I couldn't do that. I guess I could have, but my, my pride was too high, so I was like, sure, I got it, and I paid for it. Then I went home and said, Lori, we can't, we're back in frugality month, nothing we can do about that. Blew the budget on other people, and my kids hated me again. Yay, dad, boo, dad, you suck. Sorry. But it's amazing because I talk about that for one particular reason. It's because just the opportunity to sit together in this room every week, worship together, come forward at the front for prayer, have someone pray for you for healing. You know, just the power of connection makes a difference in somebody's life. A greeter saying hello versus living. So again, it is it's estimated, this HALO project estimates that for every dollar that is given to a local church in that city, it's $4 of social services that go out to touch that city. So the economic impact of the church in Ottawa is just under half a billion dollars every single year that the city, the government, the other people don't have to fundraise for. It's just what the church does. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Okay, in closing, three hurdles. Three quick hurdles, all right? Three quick hurdles that we want to look at. Phase one of growing in anything, but in the value of generosity, phase one 
is, is rooted in a straightforward, simple obedience. And for some of you, God's word said it, that settles it, I believe it, and you just engage. And that's awesome. That's wonderful. That's, that's fantastic. There may be others of you here, you're generous because that's what you were taught. You just grew up with it. But you may not understand why and the roots of it and all of those things. And so it is beautiful to have a heart of obedience around generosity. But for most people, in order for the value to get from up here to in here, to root it in their life, and for most people, in order for the value not only to be, I felt compassion. Yes, I feel compassion, but I'm also engaging this in a principled way. The value's got to go deeper. And watch this. Some people, for the value to go deeper, they're going to move from a place of just simple obedience to a place of deconstruction. To a place, the, the second hurdle is the scripture or the parable. Jesus said, the cares of this world, not what God says or what, what we think, but others feel that can begin to create a mess in our hearts. And this phase is rooted in why we shouldn't be generous. And if I was honest with you, most questions that I get on the topic of generosity are not around obedience. They are rooted in this phase. And so they sound, nobody comes up and says, hey, I am deconstructing my understanding of generosity. Let's talk about that. Nobody does that. But the language of deconstruction can be like, ah, that's the Old Testament. We live in the New Testament. That is not true, but it's, the, it's, it's not true what you're saying. It's understood, it's not true, but it's the language of deconstruction. Or I'll hear languages like churches and organization, organized religion is responsible for most of the corruption and most of the problems in the world. It's an often repeated fact, and wholeheartedly, we have spots and wrinkles and things that, yes, we've got to take 100% ownership of. The last time I checked, when you look at humanism and what is done in North Korea and China, it makes the Holocaust look small. So it's not only organized religion. Jesus said, no, 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 it's not about that. It's about this heart, this sinful heart. So again, it's, it's just myth that we're breaking through. You know, all preachers want your money. I don't want your money. I don't want your money, all right? And neither does God, by the way. He wants your heart. The problem is, is that our heart usually gets wrapped around our money. Turn the person beside you and say, that was for somebody in the other service. We've got to pray for them. <laughs> okay, watch this as we close. In the deconstruction phase, you know you're in a dangerous place when the enemy wants to uproot you from Christ. And the way he does that is he uproots you from community. Okay? I didn't say this church because community is bigger than this church. Right? Root one in. But if he wants to uproot you, the enemy wants to uproot you, he's going to first uproot you from community. Everyone say uproot. Okay. In deconstruction phases, it's the Holy Spirit's job and honor and role. He wants to uproot what's in your life, in your heart, not just where you are. So uprooting is not, it's understanding in deconstruction, God, I'm going to stay rooted and planted while you are uprooting and replanting. Does it make sense? So this can happen in generosity. When you're te teaching your kids, parents, dedication, they may give because you give, and then they may hit a phase in their life where they don't give at all. And they're trying to figure out, what do I believe? What is my value? That's your value. That's my value. And it's a phase that they go through. During that phase, we pray that it goes deeper in their hearts. And lastly, though, the last phase where people get at 
and not just generosity, this is any value, is it's no longer a feeling or an idea. I don't just give because I feel compassion. I give because it's a belief that I have, and it's a value that I live by, and it's backed by behavior that is principled giving. And this phase is rooted in going beyond tithing. And the word here is generous. And so I'm not just obedient for the sake of obedient. I'm no longer deconstructing. I have rooted it in my heart that I will be, because of what God has done for me and continually does for me, I will be a person of generosity. And that always shows up in open hands. So we give generously, church, with joy because our generosity is a reflection of our love. It's not a percentage or a duty. Please don't see it just through those lights, that lens, but it's a delight. And here's what we talked about today. We start where others stop because we believe that generosity changes lives, ours and those who we are blessing. Mm -hmm.